This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending megabucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Was it the final Grand Prix for supercars? The CEO says they want to be there. Um, obviously, we, we, we want to be here. It's a big stage, um, incredible event. It's just a phenomenon on, you know, we're Formula One at the moment. And, you know, the crowds that it's generating and the new new interest in motorsport in general and yeah, we, we absolutely want to be part of that. We find out from the team owners and from the CEO what the Grand Prix 2023 was like. You know, the pinnacle of motorsport in Australia, so to me it makes sense to be at the Australian Grand Prix. I love this event. As yep. you said, I've got uh, just under 200 forklifts here and this is the biggest event that I do. So we need to make sure that the Grand Prix um, continues to, to, you know, to stack up. It's important that we maintain a certain amount of status at the event. A different look at the AGP, and it starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Lavelle, and it's one of those very big weeks in Australian motorsport, post-Australian Grand Prix, and it was one of the biggest ever, Craig, in an awful lot of ways. The crowd size, beyond belief, nearly 450,000 over the four days, and I understand the uh, ratings were pretty good too. Yes, television ratings attracting a national audience of 698,000 viewers in metro, regional and live stream. So that's Channel 10 and 10 Play. Uh, Of course, the event was at capacity with over 130,000 people at the venue on a race day Sunday. So it's really uh, showing that the drive to survive enthusiasm on Netflix is carrying on and that popularity has been probably a big detractor for supercars involvement in the event moving forward because with F2, F3, also Formula One heading the bill, they're a long way down the pecking order in order of importance. You're very right. It was the hot topic of the weekend, in fact, um, up and down pit lane in supercar land. Um, the relevance of supercars being there. Um, we uh, spoke to a good number of team owners to uh, get their opinions on it. And let's hear from some of them now about how they felt about supercars continuing to race 
at the Australian Grand Prix at Al Park. Shannon Kiley, who is the Managing Director of Erebus Motorsport, and the wonderful Betty Clemenko, Barry Ryan, and all the boys and girls of Erebus. Shannon, before we talk about any of that, it's wonderful to see your team showing so strongly in 2023. A couple of young drivers, young engineers, a team that's bubbling with an effervescence, and you're doing fantastically. Yeah, it's been amazing, obviously, coming off the back of Newcastle and into this weekend. It's been a really strong weekend for us so far, but we've been really excited for Gen 3 for a very long time, so to see it finally come together and obviously rewarding the hard work of all the crew and the drivers as well, it has been great, um, and it's, obviously, it's not a fluke. Uh, we've you know, had some good successes in a few different races now and on different circuits too, so it's all coming together and now we've just got to keep that momentum going. Indeed, indeed. Okay, now let's while we're talking about Albert Park, what I want to know about from an Erebus Motorsport point of view, and of course with an international brand such as Coca-Cola, it's more important than ever because um, while Betty uh, has a fine team, it's commercially driven and it's not just a um, tax loss for her. Um, so that suddenly you've got a team that you need to have a, a, a big stage to, to play on. And obviously Albert Park is the biggest stage in Australian motorsport. So it's important. That's right, yeah, we were very lucky to get a, such a big iconic brand such as Coca-Cola on board as naming rights. It's very, yeah, it was, it was been great to get them on board and you're right, being having a Coca-Cola Camaro on track this weekend in front of such a big audience is great and we've got you know, over, over 150 people, uh, whether they're clients or uh, staff of Coca-Cola here this weekend, so having them here excited uh, has been really special, particularly when we are performing so well. It's a, it's a great atmosphere within the entire company. Uh, but having the brand um, on such a big uh, stage is, is very important to them. Uh, and as well, you know, although the sh it is a different format this weekend, you know, we're in front of so many eyeballs. And yesterday when we saw two Coca-Cola cars uh, battling against the Triple Eight cars, it was sort of the, the battle of the, the drinks, and that was really cool to see. Indeed it was. Okay, so... Big stage, um, big performances, and of course, a win and, and a double podium before that. Um, now we've got a one-two on the grid, so you're making all these firsts for the team. Yeah. Um, but do you think Supercars has a place here at Albert Park beside Formula One, with Formula Two and Three here as backdrops? Sort of thing? I think we certainly do. It's it certainly changes weekend having F2 and F3 here. Obviously, logistically, it's different for the teams. We have transporters in a different location than we've had before. But it's not unusual to us. We just came from Newcastle where we don't have transporters there at all. So it's different, but it's not unworkable. We get around it and we, and we do what we need to do. And I think it is important to be here with them. We are still, you know, the pinnacle of motorsport in Australia. So to me, it makes sense to be at the Australian Grand Prix. Okay. Um, there are various bits and pieces, parts of it. I mean, things like our accreditation you used to work here no longer. You now have to put the accreditation in for every one of your team members to come here which is on top of accreditation for all those same people to be going to all the other 11 events in the year. But then you've got things like the transporters aren't on your back doorstep anymore. They're you know, a couple hundred metres away. The fact that your merchandise is no longer here. And you know, as a young team, merchandise plays a fairly large part in your funding. That's out in a different place altogether. Yeah, well, it was actually quite ironic that the teams didn't rally together, but the teams all seemed to come to the same conclusion on their own, that uh, the, the location that they had presented 
to the merchandise team uh, as to where to put us this weekend didn't really make sense to us. So no team has actually chosen to have their merchandise here, which is disappointing for fans. Obviously, there are still a lot of fans here. There's a lot of fans here for F1, but there's still a lot of local fans here that are here to see Supercars too and want to grab their merchandise. So that's disappointing. But hopefully there might be some workarounds in the future that means we can have it back. Uh, as you said, the transporters are outside the circuit, but um, you know I'm getting my K's up this weekend. But as I said before, they're all workable solutions. We we go to races where we don't have transporters, so we we, we do have them. So you know we've had it worse before when we have very small pits like Gold Coast. Um, they're probably harder to work out of. So this round's definitely better than that. Yep. Um, and it's just you know it's all we've all got the same thing. So we've just got to do with what we can. People in motor racing have learned over many many years. You know, 50 plus years of course you've got to be flexible you've got to learn how to work around things um, and as such um, if supercars were not to be back at our park what event do you think should be added to a calendar to replace it for instance that's a very good question and not one I've really thought about there's certainly plenty of places we have raced at in the past um, that we no longer don't uh, whether they've got the same probably don't have the same I guess uh, big stage is what Albert Park does in the Australian Grand Prix. Uh, but there's certainly a lot of good circuits around Australia and internationally that would be good for us. I guess that's just that's above um, the decision making I can do. Well, here with Charlie Schwerkold and Team 18. And just wanting to talk, Charlie, about the value of being at the Grand Prix. I mean, this is one of the hardest days because you're here for a nine o'clock qualifying and then there's a, uh, a five o'clock race. It's a big day to spend here. Now, obviously, you've got other commercial interests involved because you're a forklift, uh, the king of forklifts of Australia. Well, thank you, Tony. I love this event. As yep. you said, I've got uh, just under 200 forklifts here and this is the biggest event that I do. In, in uh, We start in mid-January building this place and then we'll finish in mid-May. So it's massive for Waverley forklifts, absolutely massive. So. From that side of things, couldn't be happier. We've got the best equipment, the best service and everything. And I know you want to talk about the sport, but uh, look, it is challenging, of course. We've got to put a show on globally, and it's not ideal that we've got this big gap in the middle and all that sort of stuff. And, and of course, probably now we've got, you know, we're, we're fourth or fifth in the line, and, and it makes it difficult. But look, we're on the global scene here. It's a difficult beast. Whether the, the, the sport decides to stay here, I'm not sure. But uh, we love racing here. I wish the race was a bit longer and I wish we could uh, put more of a show on. I think some of the shows, some of the racing uh, that we've got is, is some of the best in the world. But we're not, we're not, haven't got enough time to show it probably. And, uh, you know, you saw Brody and, and Shane and all that battling up the front. It was great. But unfortunately, uh, it's only short-lived. Indeed. Um, one of the things was that this year we've seen where the F2 and F3s have come here, which makes it a very different paddock to start with. But you believe warranted is worthwhile being here for a whole bunch of different reasons. Yeah, commercially, supercars have done a deal with the, the Australian Grand Prix Corporation and, and they're, they're, it's important for them as well and important for supercars. We need money as well uh, for... for um, we need, we need revenue from events to be able to pay to team owners as well. And if, you know, 
we've got to, they've got to bring money in as well. So it's an event that brings money into supercars. So that's an important fact that most people don't think about. There's money flowing from AGPC to supercars. So that's an important thing. Yes, it's tough. And I hope for next year, hopefully it renews. But And I hope uh, we can get a better time slot and make it better. So, so I'd like to keep it, but make it better. All right, well, I'm here with Matt Stone of Matt Stone Racing. Truck Assist Racing, also known as. And Matt, we're just looking into the subject of the value to supercars and a, as a category, and you as a, a team owner, um, and it being here at the event at Albert Park. Your yeah. feelings? Look, it's a it's a fantastic circuit, and, and you know it's a great event, and you know supercars have got a, a long history of coming here. But yeah, there certainly is um, is a question mark as to whether it's the right place for us to be. Uh, given that we do only have 12 events this year and there are so many circuits that um, supercars could run their own you know, successful standalone event uh, um, delivering the fans that want to see supercars a lot of action um, whereas here obviously with the introduction of F2 and F3 it becomes less of a less about us not that it ever was directly about us but um, but yeah we certainly get a less of a less of a showing so I think it's a valid question. I'm not quite sure my my firm opinions on it, but certainly worth discussion. There, there are certain things. I mean, a number of years ago here, for instance, Supercars passes your accreditation for all of your crew members would work here coming through the gate. It doesn't anymore. You have to apply for accreditation to get your crew in here. And, you've, and as part of that, there's photographs and a fair process to go through for every one of them. Yeah, look, I mean, we face a lot of logistical hurdles at, at all street circuits. Um, obviously here it isn't the supercars show, it's not their event, so we're always going to get it a, a little bit rawer. Um, I, I think the biggest one for me is, obviously when it was announced that F2 and F3 were coming here, everyone said, oh, do we keep pit lane? Are we going to be put out in the grass paddock? And although we are in pit lane with um, some of your noted, you know, uh, hindrances that make it just a little bit harder uh, my biggest cons- questions or concerns would be what what does the future look like do with this being you know the last year in the current arrangement um, are they looking to put F2 and F3 in pit lane because I know there was a strong push for that this year but supercars fought back to ensure that we get what we have always been promised the one thing that has been restricted for some years is your commercial identity, that being your truck assist racing and your other sponsors. You're no longer allowed to fly flags, you're no longer allowed to put your signs in pit lane. That's all restricted because normally at your event you can identify yourself and the people who sponsor you. Absolutely, you know, we, we get a much more, much uh, diminished um, exposure here, which, you know, and, and like we've said before, with 12 events, we really need to maximise every every time supercars are out and, and, and getting our brands and, and our um, racing out there. Um, and I guess with the trucks no longer being in the paddock, as you mentioned, there's a there's another billboard to our sponsors that's not not in existence in, inside the paddock. So um, I think for me it's all about when I first heard the F2, F3 announcement that they were coming to Australia, um, my question was, well, do, do F1 want us here? Does, do, well, does the Australian Grand Prix Association want us here? Because if they've got such quality categories in Australia, uh, why did they need? Why did they decide to bring not just F2 but also F3 all the way out here? Um, 
and you know effectively delegating supercars from the tier two to the tier four at this event um and and i think the the proof will be in what happens to pit lane next year i certainly can't say that i would endorse coming back here if we were going to be pushed out of pit lane because we wouldn't be able to put on the racing that we do we wouldn't be able to have pit stops we wouldn't be able to have uh any sort of corporate exposure um and and value for our stakeholders and partners so for me it's all about the grand prix association showing supercars that although they have brought in these other open wheeler categories they still desire to have supercars here and are prepared to to offer us what we need to make it viable okay all right well thanks very much i mean it's a hot topic and obviously one that will be sorted out in the months ahead um it was interesting to get shane howard telling us and giving us a timing for instance on this year's calendar because last year of course it was very late coming out for this calendar year yeah look and i would like to think that now that COVID is well and truly in the the rearview mirror that we can start getting back to some of those uh older um, timetables that you know we've all, all we're all used to and work towards and i certainly know that that's everyone's intention for this year to try and get these calendars and get all these things happening more before the fact um as we don't have to worry about the the ever-changing environment that we've had for for the last few years and of course uh, as part of that would be for instance getting back to tracks like queensland raceway and winton and phillip island tracks that we've had long history with that would be you know certainly welcome me back on the calendar wouldn't it oh absolutely and you know even when there's a couple of new um circuits being built around the country um in various locations you know you sort of go australia has so much to offer um in terms of great locations for supercars to go so we need to make sure that the Grand Prix um, continues to, to, you know, to stack up um, and, and keep us coming back here. Right, I'm here with Brad Jones. It's day three of the 2023 championship at Albert Park. And Brad, you know, it's a very tough day, a long day, nine o'clock qualifying, five o'clock racing. Just tell us about what you think of supercars in the future at Albert Park. <laughs> well, based on today, um, look, I think Supercar's got a future here at Albert Park. There's a couple of contributing. So a lot of people that come here, you know, a lot of people um, enjoy Supercars. This is a great showcase for us. So I think it's important that we're here. I think also, though, it's important that we maintain a certain amount of status at the event. So, you know, it's important that we have our own pit lane. It's in, you know, there's, it's important that we, we're treated properly. So, you know, taking all those things into consideration, it's difficult when you're used to being the main show and you turn up and you're not. So some people aren't that happy about it. But I think there's a future here for us as long as we, um, we're treated properly. Okay. Um, obviously, there are different things. Like the merchandise, for instance, has moved way uh, down. Does that have an impact on you? No, zero impact on me. What? No, zero impact. I mean, honestly, merch is so expensive to sell here anyway. For me, it's about the racing. There's a lot of people here. It's important that, that we get the opportunity to showcase our product in front of people who don't normally come to the races. And I think that's much more important than where the merch tent is. There seems to be one very important factor that never seems to be properly utilized by supercars in that the Santa 500 will be later this year. And they've got an opportunity to be converting people from this event to be going to that one. And that seems to be it's not as well attended as it should be or could be. Oh, yeah. It's a very different crowd that come along to Albert Park. Um, you know, it keeps on coming back to the same thing for me. 
We need to be here, put on a good show, people enjoy it, hopefully they'll watch it. It's really that simple. All right, well, thanks very much, Brad Jones. No worries. It was a subject that was well and truly brought up by many people on many occasions. There were a lot of things that were hot topics, including the obvious fires that both uh, James Courtney and Nick Perkett suffered when uh, there was a problem that may not, well, it certainly hadn't shown up in Newcastle, hadn't shown up in any testing, and it's the unique nature of the track where there is so much 100% throttle in these new Gen 3 cars and the old ones as well that uh, there was a massive fuel build-up. And uh, I, I rather liked when one of those uh, specialists, and Craig Hastings, said to me, they looked like they were fuel-impregnated panels on the Mustangs because when they went up, by Crikey, they went up. And there were a lot of mitigation uh, things brought up to try and get rid of that problem. And, of course, they did have a race on Sunday and got through it okay with no more fires, with rolling starts integrated into the uh, program. But uh, there are a lot of subjects as well about uh, the repairability of the cars, about the uh, attendance in future uh, for supercars, Craig, what were your feelings about the way in which the weekend ran out? Obviously, racing before the crowd really gets there. Whilst supercars paraphernalia will, of course, uh, trumpet the official crowd figure for the event, it doesn't indicate what the crowd was like when they were on the track. What I did think worked was the Supercars Thursday. Now, that whole day of Thursday was really centred around the supercars and perhaps moving forward, supercars do a one-day big gangbuster show that headlines the Thursday and not really worry about the rest of the track time because I know we were corresponding and by Saturday evening, halfway through the meeting, supercars had done one less racing lap now that doesn't mean green flag that just means racing lap than Carrera Cup who were the uh, final support act and uh, whilst it was a little bit better at the end of the weekend it's still it's a championship and it was getting races cut now interestingly Roland Dane was talking about the problems going on in Super 2 and how races get cut there always uh, the whipping boy for every other division. This is what supercars experience at the Grand Prix. Whilst I know they want to be in front of the crowd there, and we might even hear from Shane Howard now, because you were part of a, a round table with Shane, talking about why supercars needs to be at the Grand Prix. There's, there's the option for a, an extension here on our deal, a two year extension. Look, I think it's positive. Um, obviously, we, we, we want to be here. It's a big stage, um, incredible event. It's just a phenomenon on, you know, we're Formula One at the moment and, you know, the crowds that it's generating and the new, new interest in motorsport in general and, you know, we, we absolutely want to be part of that. And I think the intent, you know, from uh, AGP would be for us to, to continue and uh, yeah, we look forward to those opportunities. Yeah, it, well, it's always a, it's always a joint agreement, right? Yeah, these things always come down to a joint agreement. You know, obviously, we're, you know, both parties will assess um, the event 
and, uh, and and then, but you know, I, I would think that we're in a. I think uh, we're going to put on a good show here. We, we, we provide a lot of diversity in their program um, now, which is, I think, a good thing. Um, yeah, and uh, there's certainly a lot of interest uh, in, in our new cars here. So, Are you happy with the way supercars has been treated with obviously bringing F2 and F3 in is a big thing for the event, but also logistically, yeah. the paddock's changed, the trucks are outside. Yeah. Like is this, are you being treated to the level that you deserve as, as supercars? Yeah, I think, um, you know, absolutely. I mean, with every street circuit, there is a lot of compromise, right? You know, you look at uh, Gold Coast, you look at um, Newcastle, where we can't have our, our trucks and things in behind. Um, but they're so important, you know, to be, to be and race at because they just open your sport up to such a wide, diverse demographic and, you know, big, you know, big numbers of fans. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we've got compromise in, in what we're doing, but obviously um, F2 and F3 got some compromise there as well. So, but I think we, you know, an AGP come up with a good solution um, for us to be able to operate, but all parties to operate. So I think we're... You know, we're, we're comfortable with, um, and just, yeah, it's good to be. So, yeah, and with, for the teams, logistically uh, and operationally, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult, right? When you've got your trucks parked remotely and those sorts of things. But, you know, talking to all the teams this morning and that, they're, they're you know, they're good with um, being here and understanding you know, the, the, those sort of, uh, yeah, there are operational uh, difficulties that we work through. Yeah. But, but it's, it's, you've gone backwards this year too. You know, you had a really good deal there for a while where you've got prominence, you know, close proximity, you could use the series passes to get in and out, just all those sorts of things. They've been eked away and now you're even more marginalised. I mean, it, we're not quite there, but this reminds me of Abu Dhabi Grand Prix 2013. Uh, I think it's very different, Mark. I think, as I said, Formula One at the moment uh, is, is a phenomenon. And when you can attract the sort of crowds and the interest of that event, and the, uh, I think you, you, you look back um, at this event, you know, uh, yeah, there was they had a lot of you know, abundance of space. It's a it's a big precinct, right? But with success, um, it, it, it comes with these. You know, the the the, the precinct is, is is really uh, you know, it's got a lot of infrastructure in there now. It's it's um, and yeah, and that's a product of success. And we're just happy to be on the program. Um, we want to be here and we want to put a good show and yeah, a little bit of compromise, but yeah, we're, we're good with it. His points are all valid. It's huge crowd. It's the ability to be there and seen, but perhaps they don't need to be there every day. Perhaps they can build up a championship event for the Thursday which is before all the shenanigans, they get themselves out of Dodge and then they don't have to worry that their transporters are well outside the circuit, that their garage is going to be a, a plot of grass 
uh, because they're going to get kicked out of the current pit lane. I think those points, Tony, uh, are ways that they could really make the Grand Prix work for them without draining the entire bath, if you like, and have the baby go out with it. Indeed. And maybe I should talk about some of the rumours. Um, crimes and misdemeanours were not, but the cries and whispers were plenty um, that ran around uh, the paddock at uh, Albert Park. Um, some of those were that uh, there's a, uh, a pending announcement soon on a new pit facility to be built at Albert Park, which would mean that Formula One will move from the current pit building, which has apparently got a lot of flaws in it. The building itself has wanted to be uh, uh, ripped down for some time. Maybe that will be the case, that it will be. But a new pit building on the outside of the circuit, directly opposite the current building, where there would be uh, a whole new pit facility for Formula One. Then Formula Two, who don't want to be on grass. With open wheelers, as you well know, it's very difficult for them to, uh, to do what they need to do on their cars when they've got zero ground clearance uh, to be having to move into pit lane the whole time. So Formula Two would move into where Formula One is, and Formula Three would move into the pit building where Supercars currently is, and that's actually owned by Supercars. It's the same pit building used in Newcastle and the Gold Coast, uh, and I imagine probably uh, Townsville as well. So they have a good uh, piece of equipment in that, but uh, it's a very hot topic, and obviously there are a lot of things going to develop around this whole scenario. Will Supercars be back in 24? Because this was the last of the current contract. There is an option held by supercars and the Grand Prix Corporation. And, of course, Andrew Westcott has now finished his life that he's been in for many years at the Grand Prix. Um, so it's a question of what happens from here on. Craig, the racing itself was uh, was fast and furious, as one could say, taking a, a chapter out of a certain movie uh, franchise. Um, it was great racing when it was happening, but there was all too little of it. Would you agree? It's an interesting situation. I would try to look at the positive. We saw a, a record crowd across the four days for the Australian Grand Prix, and everyone was a bit shocked by my outburst of how much I hate going there, and I think a few people might actually be agreeing with me, particularly after the weekend. But that, be that as it may, three open-wheel divisions... On there, and let's face it, most of the people were there to see the Aussies running in all three of those divisions. What leverage now can be brought from this for S5000? That is the question. Like, I know some of the S5000 devotees were distraught that they didn't get their cars as part of this festival, but the question can be work the other way, and I, I think it's a fair point. Uh, yes, S5000 had less crashes last year than, I think, F2 and F3 combined, and I think you'll find they had less crashes than F1 uh, as well over the course of the weekend. But how can you turn the situation that S5000 wasn't there, but how can the Grand Prix be a stepping stone for open wheel racing and S5000 in Australia rather than a stumbling block. And I particularly think that S5000 could really leverage off 
the uh, the uh, three open wheel divisions at Albert Park and make for some other opportunities for them. And, you know, it, it's not easy. I'm not saying, you know, it'll all happen and it'll all fall in their lap. They're going to have to work on it. But I think that opportunity is there if they can really start to leverage with what the Formula One is doing and remembering that it's all being driven by a Netflix TV show. And, uh, yeah, it, it's ha- interesting how the world turns and how the world works these days. A Cardassian-style TV show is making Formula One po- popular. Could the popularity of Formula One translate into the Australian open-wheel road racing divisions? Another interesting observation is all speedway is dominated by open-wheel racing. All road racing is uh, is dominated by taxi cabs and sedans. It, it's a funny dichotomy we have in this country and it's motorsport. Indeed. I'll put a curveball in on this as well. That I ran into a man who I've got to know over the last few years, Nicholas Calliol, who runs the Castrol Toyota Regional Pacific uh, Championship, and uh, he was there uh, pushing the barrow for his particular championship, which has been one of the main feeders to Formula One because a quarter of the field in Formula One has done his championship with you know Lance Stroll and Lando Norris. Um, it's a fantastic series, and if we really wanted to uh, get something happening in our open-wheel drivers, that should have been adopted many years ago, and Nicholas is still there trying to convince Motorsport Australia that they have played. Anyway, I would suggest, Tony... I would suggest to you, Tony, that Nicholas would have a better opportunity of getting a round of the uh, TRS at the Grand Prix than he will have about getting a series set up in Australia. I I totally agree with you, and that's exactly what's been mooted for some years, and he hasn't succeeded yet, but he's hoping that uh, something along those lines in the future. Anyway, there are so many topics that came out of the Grand Prix, such as the engine fires, such as the parity, Mustang versus Camaro. Um, these are all subjects that uh, have been uh, working on through the the, uh, the racing at the weekend. And then we had centre of gravity testing going on at Pickford Racing in the last few days. Um, and uh, there will obviously be, well, obviously, no, nothing's obvious at all in this category, of course, but we're hoping that it'll uh, bring out some more parity adjustments because... There seemed to be a, a fairly heavy weighting towards the Camaro for uh, the way in which they performed at the weekend with the top five in the final race being all of the General Motors product. Mm. Yes, and next week on the show, just to let people know, we're going to be looking at the discussions with Ben Croke on the engines from DJR, and he uh, has some great observations with you tony and we're also going to look at repairability because there's one thing about clipping the wall and working all night to get the car ready but there's also an issue with uh, the cars catching on fire and you know hundreds of thousands of dollars being spent to even get the cars uh, back on the track and as we saw nick Perkett's car was able to be um, put back together but unfortunately for james courtney he's now missed Oh, what, two, three races of the championship um, because he hasn't been able to get the car uh, turned around in time. Indeed not. 
Well, that's it for another Australian Grand Prix for 2023 and for another week of Inside Supercars. Tune in, make sure you listen to our Rookies edition and pick up on uh, the latest uh, out of the three of them. Uh, Cameron Hill, Matt Payne and Declan Fraser went through their uh, war of uh, the weekend and uh, survived to come out the other side. So thanks for joining us for Inside Supercars. Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. Would have paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.